0: There's no doubt about it. They have to come out. Oh, for sure. Uh, check them into the hospital before 6 Friday afternoon. Then? Us? Well, Mrs. Brady, your tonsils are almost as bad as Cindy's.
1: Good morning, and welcome to episode 187 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from baseballperspectus.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Our email address is podcast. Pot, wait, say it again podcast.
0: Yes, it's a lot to remember podcast at baseball just singular just singular. one podcast we are only one only one podcast at baseballperspectives.com all
1: right yeah so email us because tomorrow we'll be answering questions for email wednesday we, we might as well get podcasts at baseballperspectus.com. <laughs> as, you might as well
0: you think a lot of people are trying to email podcasts <laughs> and having their emails bounce back and,
1: and yeah i'm not I'm not sure a lot of people are, but I, I bet it's the best questions.
0: I bet those are the best questions. <laughs> right.
1: mm-hmm. um, so uh, we're here, though, to talk about our own topics today. Ben, what are you going to talk about?
0: Uh, I wanted to talk about appendectomies. Um, mm-hmm. But be- Naturally. Before, <laughs> before that, can we just mention that Casper Wells is now an Oakland Athletic? Uh, of course we can. Following up on yesterday's topic about the Blue Jays claiming everyone. So the Blue Jays traded him to the A's for cash considerations, and I, I wonder whether the cash that they got back for trading Casper Wells is more or less than the cash that they had to spend to claim him.
1: Yeah, I wonder that as well.
0: The I mean, cash not considerations not that it would be a big difference either way, but.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, what if uh, I don't know how much it is though, right? I mean, there's a big difference. There's probably, yeah. It's not going to be a lot, because it's the A's, et cetera. Right. But uh, I'm 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 still sort of trying to figure out where the where the Blue Jays profit is in these in these moves. Mm-hmm. So the cash considerations are are somewhat intriguing because at, at least it's it's it might be where the profit is, but it's very unlikely. I I assume that the cash considerations are probably m- yeah maybe there maybe it's their waiver cost. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and one other thing, we, we talked about shortening games on, I guess it was Friday, and, and uh, whether umpires should, should limit the amount of time and, and strictly limit the amount of time that pitchers have between pitches. And uh, Zachary, Zachary Levine, BP author, was listening to that episode, and he sent me an article yesterday uh, about the Atlantic League trying to speed up games. And this is from about a week ago. Uh, and the Atlantic League has, has put some of these things into effect They, they switched to the, the 12 seconds between pitches That it, it was 20 seconds So they hadn't switched to that yet The major leagues have And then they've also put into place uh, 90 seconds can pass between each half inning uh, There will be restrictions on the number of mound visits That coaches and players can, can make uh, and then umpires will also limit the number of times that batters can step in and out of the batter's box uh, And it sounds like they are actually going to strictly Monitor this there is going to be an umpire with a stopwatch who will monitor monitor the pace of play and enforce the rules and then The, the best part in Zach's favorite part and also my favorite part is if a game takes longer than two hours 45 minutes to complete managers and general managers of the teams involved and the umpires of that game must fill out a report explaining why mm-hmm. So that's fun.
1: I think that might be the best uh, that might be the best motivation like like the report might actually be the, the, the one thing that might work
0: because <laughs> people hate paperwork.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess if the the goal is simply that, that you want people to think about this and to actually feel like they have some incentive to speed the game up. Those basically those two things, incentive and and focus, keeping it like kind of in the front of their mind. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that little paperwork probably does it.
0: Yeah, so there was a little complaining in the article by, by players and managers about how they won't be able to go to the mound and they won't be able to settle the pitcher down and all of that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works.
1: The thing is, though, that um, that the report, I mean, any. it seems to me that any time it goes longer than two hours and 45 minutes, the report is simply going to be like, oh, well, it was seven to six. And, Probably. Uh, so maybe what it should be, although I guess this makes it too complicated and takes away some of the elegance of the simplicity, um, is it should be time per, basically time per pitch. You take the time, take Mm -hmm. the number of minutes in the game, take the number of pitches in the game, divide them up. And if it's, you know, over a certain, certain pace, then that's what they have to explain.
0: That would make more sense. All right. It would,
1: it would make more sense. What's your topic? Uh, the i i'm repeating a topic from a week ago but i just want to talk about fastball velocity for pitchers starting pitchers again
0: okay uh you want to do that
1: yeah what's your topic
0: the the appendectomy thing
1: oh that's right the appendectomy thing yeah that explains why you were asking me um all right so uh it's just it's another it's i don't know it's a week or two later since last time we talked about felix hernandez and roy halliday and cc sabathia etc um losing velocity and Jeff Passan wrote about this yesterday uh, Monday and Jeff Passan is always very good and so again Jeff Passan is good uh, and writes about Furlander uh, and Felix Hernandez and Sabathia and Weaver and Chris Sale and Ubala Jimenez and a whole bunch of pitchers and he noted uh, one thing that interested me is that the velocity is actually down league wide this year uh, compared to last year and it what, might not be.
0: What data was he using for that? Do you remember?
1: Because
0: um, sometimes there can be classification things like I don't know if if people were lumping in cutters before or something. Sometimes you'll you'll see an article that, that I don't know, Colin Wires was talking to me recently about an article that claimed that fastball speed had been rising, but it kind of it was clear when you look deeper at the data that uh, that it was really more of a classification change, and that there were oh. just fewer pitch types being included in, in fastball, and so
1: it was, yes, right. Because uh, especially the the removal of the cutter, right. I would think, from fastballs, for instance, uh, historically from like 2006
0: to 2009,
1: yeah. would have seen a big increase. Yes, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he used, and okay. and uh, they, he does note that um, a lot of ballparks were uh, kind of. I guess, recalibrated this year to try to get more accurate uh, readings, and so that could be an issue, although uh, that probably wouldn't be an issue if he were using Brooks. It, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what he's using. I don't know how well he adjusted it, et cetera. Okay. Um, but it would be interesting if that were true, not because there would be anything interesting about that in particular, uh, so much as the fact that strikeouts are up again, mm-hmm. um, and you wouldn't expect those two things to happen simultaneously. Uh, necessarily so if both of those things ended up um, pacing out to be true for the season that would be interesting um, but Felix Hernandez pitched on Monday and pitched well um, but he has been pitching well but he uh, he was averaging 92 point uh, sorry 93.1 with his four seamer and 93.0 with his sinker uh, which are like legit Felix Hernandez fastball speeds. In fact, uh, faster than his average fastball last year was. So he had been like around, I think, 89.6 or something like that uh, going into that start. And boom, here comes all the velocity back, which I think took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. And C.C. Sabathia pitched as well on Monday, he, and he pitched quite poorly. He gave up, I think, three home runs, a couple of them to Ryan Roberts. And his velocity was also um, higher than it had been. He was averaging about... Uh, 92 miles an hour on Monday, which is about a mile more. Um, and so those are things I wanted to note for the record. Um, uh, Verland, uh Sabathia also, uh, in Passon's piece, he talks about how Sabathia has actually already changed his pitching style around this new velocity that, uh, he's t- not, he's not in the dark about it, that he's totally aware of it. And he's already, um, uh, he's basically quit throwing his his back foot slider to righties, uh, and is staying on the uh, outer edge much more than he ever did before, uh, which is uh, an interesting thing. Dan Heron, uh talked to me about velocity loss once, and he said that you know it's sort of depressing being a pitcher because you just you lose you lose stuff from like day one. You just you're constantly getting weaker, and uh, that he knows that he's not as Good, but it, in one way of looking at it, he knows he's not as good as he used to be. This was when he was still really good. When he was, it, this was 2011. Mm-hmm. He told me this. he said he knows he's not as good as he used to be in the in the sense that he can't blow blow pitches past people anymore, and it's depressing and it feels makes him feel like an old man. Um, and so it just becomes all about adjusting, and that's all that's all the pitching is over the long haul is just adjusting for your reduced velocity. So Sabathia, um, it's interesting to see how Sabathia, how quickly Sabathia made adjustments um, and we'll see if he keeps those adjustments or if the velocity comes back. And then lastly, um, nobody has really talked as much about Verlander's velocity loss because Verlander has been really good still, it's been noted, uh, but it hasn't been a big deal because he's still getting guys out really well. And um, there's a quote about Felix in this piece I, uh, where one general manager says, I think he's evolving less power, more pitcher. And I wonder if Verlander uh, is, uh, well, I'm not speculating that he is intentionally keeping his, his velocity down, but I just wonder if there's anything that you would look at in the statistics Um to look for a guy who is maybe intentionally throwing less hard, mm-hmm. if if you think if you think that it, there would there were, there are cases where pitchers intentionally uh, reduce their velocity in order to become a different type of pitcher when when they're when they are hard throwers, and what you would look for to sort of see indications that it's intentional and not simply um, natural aging.
0: Uh, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't guess that there are many who do it. Um, At least if they've been around for a while I could see uh, maybe I guess I think Aroldis Chapman Doesn't throw quite as hard anymore And maybe with him it's kind of a He wants to throw strikes thing uh, I think I wrote something about Verlander At some point And how he, he lost a little velocity last season But it seemed like his peak velocity was the same uh, And so I thought maybe it was less worrisome Because He's always been a guy who kind of gains velocity as the game goes on, uh, which is strange, but but he has that ability seemingly where um, in the ninth inning he will or eighth inning he will be throwing as hard as he was at the beginning or be or harder, uh, and so it seems like he kind of saves something in rever- in reserve sometimes and. So with him, uh, given that he was still sort of hitting the same maximum speeds, um, it it kind of suggested to me that maybe he was taking a little something off intentionally, just to save his arm because he's thrown so many pitches and so many innings. Um, so I guess I would be more inclined to believe that about him. I would, I mean, I would think that in most cases of velocity loss, there's also a peak loss. I would think, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's not—it's yeah. not just your your ability to do it over and over again. It's also your ability to do it ever. Uh, and it seems in his case, and I don't—I haven't looked this season, but he was throwing sometimes as as hard as he ever had, and that suggested to me that he had that ability uh, still, and that maybe it was kind of a conscious choice. But I don't know; it's hard to say. Um, I almost brought up Sabathia. He was almost my topic last week because after his last start where he didn't throw very hard he just had some really really frank quotes about it Uh, Mm -hmm. and he he said I'm hoping more velocity comes back but if not then we'll work with this Uh, it's the reality I've been pitching for a long time eventually this was going to happen there's nothing I can do about it I can't throw any harder Um, and it just kind of became resigned to it more quickly than most pitchers I guess and I wonder if that is a key to maintaining your effectiveness once you've lost some velocity is not pretending that it's going to come back or uh, not pitching as if you still had it and just adjusting quickly. Uh, so as you said and as Passon wrote, it seems like he has kind of done that even if maybe a little of his velocity is coming back. So I guess it it has something to do with just what your repertoire is if you're I mean, if if Sean Doolittle suddenly lost five miles per hour on his fastball or something, <laughs> he would he would have nothing else to throw. I guess he You're would just, breaking my heart. Just I don't even want to think no, about it's, it. No, it. it's hard to think about. But a guy who throws a fastball every time is, I would think, I mean, more vulnerable if he loses some velocity than someone who has a bunch of secondary pitches and has great command and all of those other things. So that's a big part of. Of how you can stay effective despite losing velocity, and I guess that's something that, that Felix has done. But I wonder how much of it is a mental adjustment, also, and just coming to terms with your your new velocity and just working around it. So
1: Sabathia, Felix, Verlander, and if you if you wanted, you can lump Weaver in. Have been four of the most durable pitchers in baseball. Um, all but Weaver have been hard throwers. Sabathia, Hernandez, and Verlander. Have led baseball in innings pitched going back to two thousand eight. Just curious, what do you think are the odds that one of them has Tommy John surgery within the next three hundred and sixty-five days?
0: Uh, well, we know Felix has some sort of elbow issue of some kind uh, that was that was written into his his new extension. Um, I don't know what's the I don't know what the league right league wide rate is. For pitchers, uh, I would guess that these guys are are more vulnerable than the typical pitcher just because of their workload. But but then again, the fact that they've stayed healthy is or for the most part is is a good indicator. So uh, I don't know that one of them in the next year will have Tommy John surgery. I guess like twenty percent. T-
1: okay, seems right. All right. Let's talk about appendectomy.
0: Okay, so this is something I've wondered about before. Uh, Jason Hayward had an appendectomy um, on Monday night, very late, I think, Uh, and so now he is out for a while, and the typical recovery time for an appendectomy used to be like two to three weeks, uh, and lately it has not been that long. Um, because there's this new laparoscopic procedure, which is is less invasive. I guess they don't have to completely cut you open. So that seems to be what most athletes have now. And uh, Matt Holiday and Adam Dunn had this, I think in 2011, they had this procedure and came back in about a week or so. Um, And I think it was Dunn struggled for a while after and Holiday was fine right away. So even if you assume that it's just going to cost players a week now and that they will come back uh, mostly at full strength right away. I I've always kind of wondered whether it would make sense to just have uh, just have an appendectomy over the off season or something. Just <laughs> just I mean, so For you don't have everybody to,
1: get it out of the way Yeah, like just, having a just basically get it out like of the way. vaccines right. or something. Right.
0: So smallpox parties. <laughs> so I looked it up. So from what I quickly googled nine percent of of males have appendectomies at some point in their lives um, so almost one out of ten baseball players presumably is going to have one at some point and There is some kind of disagreement in the medical community about whether the, append- the appendix actually does anything It's kind of hard to say but uh, It doesn't really seem to have any side effects for people who have it removed and they don't seem to do any worse after having it removed but some people think there is still some sort of purpose it serves maybe with your immune system or something Um, but so there is a a thing called a a prophylactic appendectomy which is just just a preventative one just having it done before you need to have it done Uh, and they're kind of Urban legends about astronauts having it before they go up to space because you wouldn't want to have appendicitis in space. Um, Apparently that has not actually been done but would be done on a like on a mission to Mars or something which was much longer. But but it has been done in some cases for say scientists who are spending the winter in the Arctic or something and it would be a a lot of trouble to fly them out if they had an emergency so they just have their appendix out um, preventatively. To, to, I mean, so I, I wonder for a baseball player whether that kind of makes sense if there's, if there's a 1 in 10 chance that you are going to have it out at some point and you're making millions of dollars. Now Jason Hayward is, is not making that many millions of dollars right now but, uh, but he will at some point and, and he is at least worth millions of dollars to his team. So I wonder whether it would be worth it for someone to just have their appendix out over the winter when you have months to recover and then you don't have to, to risk uh, missing a week or more than a week at some point during the season and, and costing your team however much that costs. Um, I don't know. It would be kind of interesting if someone did that and probably we should talk to a doctor or something to see if that actually makes sense. but. Uh, I don't know. I guess if I were a team, maybe I would float the idea for a player to do that, just in case.
1: Um, I remember an episode of the Brady Bunch <laughs> where I think one of the characters needed to have her tonsils out. I think, uh-huh. and it was a very anxious thing because even though it was a, you know, a very routine procedure. Uh, all surgery can be dangerous, and, yeah. and all surgery can can kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what the I don't know what the what the mortality rate or the fatality rate for appendectomies um, are. It it looks here that there are risks of um, there are various risks uh, involved, and about three percent lead to some complications. Although I would imagine that many, 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 many fewer. Uh, lead to death. But basically, bleeding and infection are risks in about 3% of cases when the appendix is healthy. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know if that would matter. I mean, you certainly wouldn't want to have 3% of baseball players having uh, unnecessary surgeries that lead to complications that then affect, that then affect them later. But I would right. imagine that most, most of these complications are probably extremely small and would only lead to a, an extra couple days in the hospital. And baseball players so
0: would have the best doctors available, and maybe their rates would be lower than the typical person. I don't know.
1: Maybe, yeah. Alright, uh, sure, though. Uh, there's all sorts of unnecessary surgeries that baseball players could probably be having to, to prevent <laughs> these sorts of things.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I was just reading a paper Uh, that said uh, in conclusion in the presence of optimal conditions prophylactic appendectomy can be performed safely Um, I don't know I don't know it seems seems like maybe it's worth exploring if you're paying someone 20 plus million dollars a year and you're in a close race and every win is worth millions of dollars to you and Mm -hmm. losing a guy for, for a week at the wrong time could cost you a win and I don't know. Maybe. Well, Ben,
1: write it up. This might be your chance to, <laughs> to leave a lasting impact on the game. Okay. Write up a nice a nice uh, firm position paper. Mm-hmm. Make your case, right. and who knows? Maybe this will be. Maybe it'll be. Maybe in twenty years it'll be known as a Lindbergh surgery.
0: <laughs> I'll get right on that.
1: All right. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Email us, please, at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. and have a pleasant day.